Hey, this is Pastor Devin. Thanks so much for joining us. I pray that this message is an encouragement to your life today. One of our newest outreach initiatives is in the area of prison ministry. Two of the correctional facilities here in the Nashville area, uh, one of them being a men's facility, uh, Riverbend Maximum Security Institution, and then also the Tennessee Prison for Women, uh, have both invited us to hold weekly services there in, in the prison. And um, so uh, that's pretty awesome. And uh, so they, we have a team that now starts on, uh, going out on Saturdays. And uh, they go there on Saturday mornings, and they set up just like we're going to do uh, service here. And they do live work. Yesterday, I was at Riverbend Maximum Institution, uh, Security Institution. What an amazing time. I was, can I just tell you, prisoners are the easiest people in the world to teach to and preach to. I mean, it's awesome. They just love God's word. We had 30 guys show up. Two of them made decisions for Christ yesterday there at Riverbend. Incredible ministry happening there. It's awesome. So they'll set up there, they'll do live worship, and then they'll set up um, uh, a screen and they'll show the video of the previous service from last week here at, at Connect. So if you're interested in being a part of that, you can talk with Amber at the outreach uh, booth or with Miss Teresa Turns. They can let you know all the next steps, the next training that's happening, because you've got to have some training to get qualified and, and approved to get in uh, there. But uh, they'll, they'll let you know all of those kind of things. By, by the way, let me just say this. If you're interested in getting involved in any area, today's the perfect day to do that because it's step four of our next steps process, what we call serve. And so every team that's available to be involved in is represented there at our serve time, immediately following both the nine and the 11. Any team you want to be involved in, ushers, connections, kids, parking, worship, every team, prayer. I mean, here's what I want you to know. Right now, there are people praying for you during this service. Like, I don't, know, I don't know if you know that's happening all the time, but all the time while we're in service, people are praying that God's doing something in your life right now. And that, we point to that. That's why God changes people's lives. It's not because of, of me or anything that I'm doing. It's because we prepare an environment. It's been prepared, and we're praying for you right now that God's doing something in your life. You want to be a part of that? Just go to serve. Step four of our next step process, you can be involved in that. So every week we get to greet our friends. So I just want to look into the camera and welcome our friends from Riverbend. Hey guys, it's awesome to see you today and we're honored. Come on church family, tell them and say hello to you. It's awesome. Yeah. Let me just, I'll just give a shout out to Bobby and to Fish and to Brother Stu and Antonio. Thanks for leading worship again. Awesome brothers in the Lord. Just thankful for all that you're doing yesterday. And I just want to give a shout out to you. Hey, if you tell the team, I'll give a shout out to you every week. And it's just great to have you with us and joining us. You Listen, look at me. You're not a project. You are our family. We're not looking to fix you. God's going to do all the work in your life. And we're just honored to partner with you and be part of your family. So that's awesome. All right. Um. Uh, Let's get started on this idea of, of purpose, and I want to use this verse to kind of frame uh, and set up where we're going today, uh, Outreach Sunday, as we talk about purpose, why we're here. Um, this, this verse is at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and he's gathering what would become his 12 disciples. Do I have my teaching screen today? What's the first verse? Ta-da, everybody. <laughs> All of that worry and fret. Okay, let me talk you off the ledge. It works, everybody. All right. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is getting ready to put together his group, this, this group of guys, and he's walking on the Sea of Galilee, and he sees two guys, their brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, and they're casting a net, 
into the sea. And I love this. You know, Matthew was an accountant. So he kind of liked the details. So in case you didn't surmise already, he just wants to include this detail. For they were fishermen. He just wanted to let you know that. In case you didn't already gather that. And then it goes on to say this. And then Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you. Now just leave it right there. I'm leaving it short on, on purpose. Because if, if you already know the end of the verse, if you grew up in church, if you didn't grow up in church and you don't know what the rest of this verse says, um, follow me, he says. So become a Christ follower. And some of you that may not be familiar with how it ends, you might say, well, what would Jesus say he was going to make you if you followed him? Like, what, what would be your guess on what Jesus wanted to make you and do in you if you decided to be a follower of him. So maybe you might say, well, follow me and I'll make you really spiritual. And uh, you'll read the Bible a lot and you'll pray a lot. Follow me and I'll fix everything. Follow me and I'll, I'll make you real disciplined. Follow, follow me, I'll make you a great husband, a great, great dad. Fo- follow me and I'll bless you, maybe. Maybe, maybe that's how, no, no, no. It's not what Jesus says. And yes, uh, following Christ may result in those things. But that's not primarily what Jesus wants to make his followers. And I think Jesus' answer, listen, right from the very beginning, he's putting together his group of people that are going to perpetuate the gospel going forward. And I think his answer reveals his agenda right from the very beginning. Jesus didn't pull any punches. So his expectations weren't on the religious list. Jesus said, follow me, and here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to turn you into something that you're currently not. Follow me, now show me the rest of the verse. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So this this becomes so appealing to them, so enticing to them, that they immediately, these two brothers, throw their nets down, because Matthew said they're fishermen, and they throw those nets down and they immediately leave this, this call to now be fishers of men. In fact, Luke's version of the same story. You were soaping through uh, Luke with me this past week. Luke chapter 5. He says it this way. From now on, you're not going to catch fish. You're going to catch men. Women's inferred there as well. So now immediately when I start talking about, you know, the spiritual word is evangelism. When I start talking about that, I already sense some of you going, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Uh, he's going to shove tracks in our hands, and now we're going door to door. Uh, we're just going <laughs> to sort of blessings go, you know. <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. But I know what some of you are thinking. Uh, you're thinking, you know, I, lo- I, lo- I love Jesus, but it's really good just him and I knowing about it. we got a kind of a thing going on. Him and I got a little deal. I love him, but man, if I were to get into a real discussion, they're going to win because I don't know enough. They might even convert me to their belief. Uh, Don't put me in that situation. And what we have to understand as followers of Christ, people that claim to be Christians, what Jesus wants you to be is a fisher of people. So let let me just say it this way. Followers fish. Followers fish, that's what they do. So, so why don't we? Why don't we find ourselves, since we are followers of Christ, compelled to fish for people? Now, maybe, maybe that's a new thought for you. 
Maybe you didn't know that as a follower of Christ, one of the things that's most important is that you're fishing for men and women. Maybe you didn't know that. And so my hope by the end of our time here this morning is that you will be so compelled that you'll be convinced enough by the Scripture that you'll start fishing because, listen to me, followers fish. Fishing is what followers do. So people that call themselves followers of Christ don't fish because maybe they didn't know they were supposed to. Maybe they would say, I don't even know, I don't know how to do that. I wouldn't even know where to start. Or at least they think they don't know how because in their mind they have an understanding of what they think fishing looks like. I'm going to say something wrong. I'm going to mess something up which is really rooted in what I'm convinced is the the reason why most people don't fish, and it's this, because they're afraid to fish. Most people, they have this emotion attached to what fishing entails, and so now now they're thinking, I'm going to be embarrassed, Uh, I'm going to say something wrong that's going to embarrass me, and then I'm I'm not going to think that I know anything, or maybe you're convinced you're going to be ridiculed or or mocked, or or maybe you think they're going to out-debate you. Which, if you think that, that fishing is about debating, you have the wrong idea what fishing is about. It's not about trying to out-debate someone. Or, or maybe you're thinking to yourself, I don't be one of them. I don't want to be like one of them. And when, when I say them, you're thinking about the stereotypical evangelist. Right? In fact, I want you to picture in your mind with me this morning... When you hear the word evangelist, what do you picture in your mind? Uh, maybe it's like a guy with a, a white suit and white shoes. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's someone that's really loud and obnoxious. Maybe someone with a megaphone. And they're like this Bible-thumping, fire-breathing, like, yow, evangelist, right? You need to repent, right? And they talk a lot about hell. Or in the South, you know, it's two syllables. Hey, yo. You know, it's like, hey, hey, yo. Now it's really important. It's got two syllables now. I don't don't know what you picture in your mind. I I don't know if you've ever had that moment. Ashley and I have the opportunity to travel some, and we love going to big cities. And inevitably, while we're on our trips, we come across the street evangelists, right? They're just giving everybody what for. Repent going to hell, and they're just telling them what for. And, and I find myself thinking, I don't know if you're really helping the cause. And in some cases, I, it actually makes it more difficult for people like me. Um, it, may, it certainly makes it confusing. A- and I'm, I'm convinced that what it does do is it paints an incorrect picture of who God is. I'm convinced of that. Which is why a lot of us don't find ourselves drawn to fishing. Because we've been embarrassed by some of the approaches to fishing. And listen, I I know there are people that God uses that style and that's for God and them to figure out, right? All, All I know is this. The person that is most responsible for you coming to Christ probably did not look like that person. The person that was most responsible for you encountering Jesus. Okay, so so you have one picture. Do this now. Picture in your mind 
the most the person most responsible for you coming to Christ and most accurately depicting who Jesus is. Okay, picture them. You, you would probably use adjectives like kind, caring, and generous, meek, gracious, patient, prayerful, humble. It would be people that fished for you that weren't just throwing a stick of dynamite into the water. <laughs> You're getting in the boat whether you want to or not. Scoop them up and drop them in. This, is, this evangelism is easy. <laughs> no, they, they were probably people that were patient enough and persistent enough to walk with you and model for you what it means to follow Christ. And, and they probably challenged you in a loving way, not a condemning way. I, I think of the people in my life that so faithfully modeled what it meant to follow Christ. And it became, it became so attractive that I had to have what they had. So let me talk to you about this fishing thing. On Outreach Sunday, uh, we're talking about purpose. And I just want to give you three simple thoughts on why you need to be a fisher of men. Why you need to learn this art of fishing. I'm going to give you three reasons. Here's, here's the first one very simply. Because fishing is fun. Fishing is fun. Now, I don't know if you've ever been fishing, like real fishing. Um, and maybe you have and maybe you hated, <laughs> hated it. Um, but let me just, can I just say this? Fishing for people is way more fun than fishing for fish. I mean, it doesn't even compare. And by the way, let me say this. Fishing for people is not as scary as you might think. I mean, I just wish all of you had the experience of doing this. Like, of, of all of the Christian experiences that I could wish for you, this one is probably at the top. Like, I don't know if there's a bigger thrill in all of Christianity than knowing that you had a role in affecting someone's eternal destiny. Is there any other greater thrill in all of Christianity? I want this for you so badly, and it's fun. It's fun. I would be robbing you of the greatest joy of your life if I didn't tell you how fun fishing is. To know that I played a role in someone spending eternity in heaven, that is the greatest thrill of my life. I mean, even the Bible talks about it in the light of fun. Luke chapter 15, look at this. I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one person who says, I need to give my life to Jesus. It is so fun that even celebration happens in heaven. When, when that, I love the way that it says it in the message. Look what it says. It says, count on it. That's the kind of party that God's angels throw Every time one person turns to God, that's just the most fun thing in the world. It's, it's just fun. And not only do, do we rejoice, but all of heaven rejoices about it. I mean, how fun is it when you know you know the answer? I mean, you, like, you, you remember like in school when you're like, they throw a question out there, you're like, I know the answer, and I'm awesome, I know the answer. Pick me, ooh, 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 welcome back, Cotter, for all you uh, older folks. Come on now, that's what I'm talking about. Ooh, pick me. I know the answer. I mean, I mean, if, if you had the cure to cancer, how fun would it be to tell everyone? 
Like, I mean, and how, how would you not stop yourself from telling everyone? Can I tell you something? You have the cure to eternal death. You have the cure. Shouldn't you be like ecstatic to let everyone know, by the way, I've got the cure. Would you like some? And, and what a tragedy it would be if you didn't tell people that you had the cure. Can you imagine huddling in your little apartment with the cure to cancer and not telling anyone? Well, I just, they may not like the way I tell them about it. I may, I may say the wrong thing, and uh, so I might as well, I just, maybe I won't say anything about it. I'll just keep the cure right here, and I'll just, I'll keep it safe right there on my shelf, and that'll be a good spot for the cure. And uh, you have the answer. You have the answer the, to, to eternal death, the cure. We, have, we actually have what people are looking for. <laughs> like, we have the cure to misery and hopelessness and anger and bitterness and anxiety. We have the, the answer. The Bible talks about it in, in 2 Corinthians. Look what it says. All of this is from God who reconciled us. Okay, time out right there. Reconciled. Uh, so when you reconcile a bank statement, you bring the balance to zero. Okay. By the way, you should reconcile your bank statements. Maybe, maybe that's the first problem. I don't know. Right. right, yeah. Reconcile. That means all of the everything balances, and we bring we bring the balance to zero. This is what God does. God actually cancels debt and brings the balance to zero, as if you didn't even owe anything ever. He reconciled us to Himself through Christ, which is the only way you can be reconciled. And then look what He does. He gives you now the same ministry to bring other people's balance to zero. So now it's your job to help other people understand that I know you have a balance and I know you, but I actually have the answer to help bring that balance to zero. Like I'm the greatest debt consolidation ministry you know of right now. I'm bringing zero balance to your life right now. I have the answer. And I want to tell you that God was reconciling the world to himself. So you're not reconciled, not to you, but to him. And then it goes on to say now in verse, uh, verse 20, on yeah thank you we are therefore his representatives so he's given you this ministry to reconcile people to him and now we represent him as though god look at this he's actually making his appeal to the world through your life through you I mean, what an incredible responsibility, but what an incredible joy. We have the answer that's been given to us. Our balance has been brought to zero. Now you go let other people know that their balance can be brought to zero, and he wants to use you to do it. That's incredible news, everybody. Fishing is fun. So we are his representatives here on, on this earth. And can I just remind us all this morning, this is God's only plan. Like, he doesn't have a plan B. So, this will be something that I will probably, not probably, I never will understand until I get to heaven. And that is this. God comes to earth through his son Jesus. He lives a sinless life. He, he has a brutal death taking upon our sin so that we could take on his righteousness. And then he is raised to life on the third day so that we can experience the same 
overcoming life. And then before he leaves this earth, now think about this, in all of his infinite wisdom and all of his power, he could have in one moment dispersed his message to the world. He's that powerful. But before he leaves this earth, he doesn't choose to do that. He chooses to look at people like, Peter, are you kidding me? That's what, we're, that's what this is riding on? Paul is murdering people? And Jesus looks at Peter and Paul, and he looks at you, and he looks at me. And this, here, the same thing that Jesus was saying to his disciples, I believe he's saying to his disciples today, and he looks at you and me, and he says, now you go finish the job. I will never understand that. But God doesn't have a plan B. Ephesians chapter 3, look at this. Through followers of Jesus, like you and me, gathering together like we're doing today, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about. Through you, through followers of Jesus, this message is becoming known and the angels are talking about it and rejoicing about you doing it. That's phenomenal. Another translation says that, that the manifold wisdom of God is being made known through the church. I mean, through the building? No. The church isn't a building. It's not brick and mortar. The, the, we turn this into church every week, but this isn't a church. You're the church. He wants to work through you because followers fish. It's what they do. Fishing is fun, which leads me to the second reason why you need to, to fish because he doesn't have a backup plan, and it's this. Fishing is necessary. It's, it's needed. In other words, this is not a game. This is not like trying to build this big empire and not this strategy to build an organization or some pyramid scheme or multi-level marketing thing. No. Just every eye, every eye on me, just look, look in the eye here. Heaven and hell are actually real, everybody. And people actually go to one of them. But what's the answer? Well, people that have already been caught start catching. And they start fishing. And a lot of how many people are going to one of those two places is based upon how well the church is doing it. We, we are the ones. We are the carriers. We're the ambassadors, the representatives of the message. And listen, I'm not trying to be heavy for heavy's sake. I'm just saying that in light of that truth, that heaven and hell are real, this is something we need to be doing. We need to be fishing. Romans chapter 10 says this in verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, which means those that don't call upon the name of the Lord won't be saved. So who's helping them become aware that they need to be saved? Because salvation is contingent on both a belief and a confession. So it's found in no one other than the person of Jesus. And then it goes on to say, but how can they call on him to be saved unless they believe? So it's a belief and a confession. And how can they believe in him if they've never heard? How are they going to hear? Hmm, I wonder what his plan is. It's you. You're his plan. And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? People that follow Jesus fish. 
This is something that you have to get in, in your spirit. God is making his appeal to the world through you. And then, then I love it how it says, how beautiful are the feet of them who bring the good news. Did you know, Connect Church, did you know you have beautiful feet? You have beautiful, look at your neighbor and say, you got be- actually, don't do that, that's nasty. Don't do that, that's, that's gross. <laughs> don't do that, don't do that. That's nasty, that's gross. <laughs> maybe, maybe some of you would say, I don't know. I, I've heard that God's already got this all planned out and we don't really play a part in all, how it all plays out. And I, I would just say, that it's doctrinal error for you to believe that God has written this script and he's just picked certain people to go to heaven and picked other people to go, go to hell and he just picked some good things to happen and all the bad things to happen. He's picked those things too. And, and yes, God is sovereign, but he has left it up to us and you have a free will. Which is why the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3, says this, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. What promise? That he's returning someday for people that have become his followers and he's going to, to come and get us. As some under, so some of us are like, when's he going to do it? Hurry up. I mean, let's do it, Jesus. Come on, let me give you the reason. But instead, he, by the way, he was patient with you. So let me say it this way. For as much patience as God has given you, you might want to uh, lend some patience to him. That was better than you, amen. I just want to say that. Instead, <laughs> he's patient with you. Not, listen, look at this. Not wanting anyone to perish, but look, I want you to say this word out, out loud. But, everyone. okay, now, uh, you're almost believing it. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone. everyone to come to repentance. That's the will of the Father. The Lord doesn't want anyone to be separated from him. It reminds me of the atheist that said, well, I could never believe in a God that sends people to hell. To which I respond, me either. I don't believe in a God that sends people to hell either. In fact, God has done everything in his power to keep you from going to hell. Let me say it this way. You have to step over his son Jesus to get there. I mean, God doesn't send people to hell. Hell is not a place that God sends people that he's mad at. Hell is a place that people go where they pay for their own sins that they didn't ask him to forgive them of. God's, look at me, God's not mad at you. River Bend, God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. He loves you. And the only reason he hasn't come back yet is because he, he doesn't want anyone to perish. But he wants everyone to come to repentance. So it's fun it's necessary. There's no other backup plan. And then here's, here's the last reason why you need to make fishing. If you call yourself a follower of Christ, you need to make fishing a part of your life because this is the most obvious reason. Because, number three, Jesus asked us to do it. Now, we could have just, this could have been the only point today. I mean, I follow Jesus, I'm a Christ follower. Okay, Jesus asked you to do something. Time out. I'm not really comfortable. But I've, I've followed, love Jesus. Love him. Awesome. Thankful for what he's done in my life. And he says, if you want to follow me, you need to start fishing. Like, 
People that follow Christ do what Christ said to do. So, so when you called him Lord, that means you submitted your life to him and he gets to call the shots. I, I, think it's, I just think it's funny how we push back on what Jesus told us to do. Well, let me, let me think about that. Well, could you explain it in a way that really makes sense to me? No, he's Lord. And can I just say that he doesn't really have to do any explaining. You submitted your life to him. So, so I do it because the one who bled and died and paid my debt and brought the balance to zero asked me to do it. Now, we call that ask the Great Commission. All four of the Gospels, and even the book of Acts. So the first five books of the New Testament include that ask. So if, if you don't think it's important or necessary, I want to show it to you in Scripture. In all five of the first five books of the New Testament, Matthew 28 says this. We'll start at the first book of the New Testament. Matthew says this, therefore, what's this word? Therefore, go, okay. It doesn't say therefore gather. Gather and have a little kumbaya moment and feel good about life and then go do nothing that has any impact on the world and then come back and therefore gather again no therefore go and do something make disciples now let me just discipleship we have convoluted and and made it more confusing than it has to be what is discipleship by the way so i think we would all agree in its most simple definition, that discipleship is helping someone to take one step closer to a more Christ-like life. Well, I mean, just one step. I, if I'm discipling someone, they're taking the next step to living a more Christ-like life. Now, what we have done is we have taken discipleship as a post-conversion experience only. Okay, so you say a prayer and you sign the card and you walk the aisle and now I get to start discipling you. But wait a second. You said discipleship was just helping someone take the next step to a closer walk with God, to, to a more Christ-like life. That's what we define discipleship as. So let me just ask you a question. Could you be discipling someone before they said any prayer? I mean, could someone be taking the next step towards a more Christ-like life before they said any conversion prayer? The answer, of course, is yes. So can I, who are you discipling? Who are you helping to take the next step to have a closer walk with Jesus? I mean, who, who are you walking with to help them get a greater understanding of what a Christ-like life looks like? Make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, verse 20 now, and then look again. And now you, he's actually imploring the world through you. And you teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you to do. So again, you're the carrier of the message. Matthew, now Mark. Look at Mark's, look at Mark's gospel and how he says it. He said to them, here's the same word, go into all the world and preach. Well, just keep preaching on, preacher. No, he's talking to y'all. And I'm going to do my part too. He's talking, yeah, I, I was think it's funny when people introduce me as their preacher. Hey, I want to introduce my preacher. This is the, listen, I'm not the preacher, you're the preacher. I equip you and train you so that you can go preach and go and do something and change the world 
and, and on behalf of God, represent him to the world. You're his ambassador. Matthew, Mark, Luke, third book of the New Testament says this, with my authority. Now that should give you some encouragement, actually. Jesus is actually saying, I'm actually giving you the authority to do this. Take this message of repentance, which as we defined a couple weeks ago, is just re-aiming upon the right thing, refocusing to all the nations. Look at what it says, beginning with your neighbor. That, that was the, the most local place for them at the time that he was saying this. Do you even know your neighbor's name? Or is it like, well, we wave and I get into my garage as soon as I pass, I can't put the door down and run. Well, that's not really that. Now, I'm not talking about taking your Bible. Hey, I want to, hey, come back. I want to talk to you. About something. Well, I tried. I guess they didn't like that. Whew my conscience no you're going to begin right there at home and look look there's forgiveness hey hey i have the answer and i know someone that can actually bring your balance to zero there's forgiveness of sin for all who just say i need i need there listen you have the answer you have the cure matthew mark luke john jesus once again commissions us and he says this as the father has sent me now I've taught you and discipled you, and now I'm getting ready to send you blessings. Go do it. Jesus. He was always trying to get us to understand that followers fish. Even if you go to Acts, fifth book of the New Testament, look what it says. The last words of Jesus, actually. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you so that you can have a really good time at church. So, so that you can get your goosebumps on and have church. That's why I got the Holy Spirit. Actually, no, you got power from the Holy Spirit to do something outside of yourself because it's not about you. Your purpose is way bigger than you. It's transcendent to witness, to do something, not just now, now he's really making it crazy, not just in your city, but in your nation and to the uttermost, to the ends of the earth. Last words of Jesus. I mean, I think it was just important. I mean, why, why should I fish? Because Jesus told us to. I mean, it was important to him. We can have a whole lot of fun in church. and I want you to experience his presence here, of course, because that's what changes us. It brings transformation in his word, applying his truth to, to our lives. But he, he said, I want to empower my church to go out there and reach people. So let, let me say it this way. God is not calling us to just go to church. He's calling us to go be his church, the hope of the world, everybody. I thought just going to church was enough. Well, that's because you had the wrong idea of what following was. Followers actually fish. It's what we call the great commission. And if you're new to connect, I just you just need to know that we're a great commission church. And uh, so, yes, we love you and we are so honored that we get to care for you and pastor you and lead you and shepherd you and serve you and minister to you and being there for you and your family but i'm sorry to tell you that that's not primarily why we exist we are the church and we exist for the world i'm actually more fired up about why these seats are are empty like we're 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 worried about the people that aren't here question are you I mean, we don't, we don't exist to just provide a place where you can kind of check your 
you know, I did the Sunday morning thing. Whew, we're good. I'm good for another week. Had a little feel-good moment there. Devin, that was awesome. Um, now, we believe that God's called us. Therefore, he's called you because you're the church. It's not a building. It's people. And we believe that he's called us to make a difference in the world. Which is why we do Serve Day. And it's why we partner with great organizations and why we're reaching the world and transforming campuses across our area and why we're planting churches and why we're delivering God's word. It's, it's why we're going to give over $100,000 to benevolence and, and serving. This year alone, we'll give over $100,000 to serving and community service and church planners and prison ministry and counseling and saving marriages. That's why we exist, everybody. And you've got to understand I'm, I'm compelled because Jesus said followers fish. And I'm sharing this with you so that you don't forget. Thank you for making a difference. For caring. For serving. For being selfless. For sacrificially laying your agenda down. And recognizing that it isn't about you. And it isn't even about our name. But it's about the name of Jesus. Because of that... People's lives are radically being changed. Churches are being planted. Young people are being reached. God's word is being given. Campuses are being impacted. God's love is being shown in tangible ways. And the truth of his word is going forward. But here's the deal. There will always be a gravitational pull to do what's best for us. And we can't allow that to happen. I, I, I praise God for us. And I praise God for you. But we've already been caught. I mean, we're followers. And followers fish. And I just want to leave you with a thought. And I hopefully it will compel you to go fishing. And here, here's the last thought for us today. It's this. Because we... At one point, we're all fish ourselves. <laughs> and I get it. I, you know, Lord knows we still require some cleaning, right? <laughs> I get it. I understand. But if anyone can relate what it means to be out there just kind of floundering, excuse the pun. Uh, I mean, it's us. And I know just. Just because you're here this morning doesn't mean you have it all figured out. And I understand that, but thank God for people that didn't give up on me. I thank God for people that didn't settle for my no. I thank God for people who cared enough and were patient enough to walk with me. I thank God for people who just kept casting the line and giving me the opportunity. Why do, why do we reach lost people? Well, because God never stopped reaching out for me. And he never stopped reaching out for you either. And he uses us. He works through people. People. People that fish. And he keeps making his appeal through followers. People with beautiful feet. And he wants you to do the same. Last verse for the day. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For Christ. Why do you do this, Devin? I mean, like, you're passionate. And why are you so excited about it? I, for Christ's love compels 
I'm sorry, I can't help it. Christ's love compels me. De- Devin, can't we just settle in? I mean, we got a nice little church here. and I mean, you're always talking about the next thing and growing. And I kind of like it the way it is. I kind of know everybody. I, can I, I can't help it because his love compels me to do it. I mean, do we really need to be getting involved in the prisons, Devin? I mean, come on. Does it really make any difference? I mean, we're just going to a football game. and can, I, can we really change our schools? I mean, do we really need to start figuring out how to be online and reaching far beyond this experience? I mean, does it really matter? I can't help it because, yes, it does matter, and his love compels me to do it. I, because I'm convinced that he didn't just die for me, but he died for all, everybody. Let me say this. The seed has no power in your hand. You have to cast it and you have to plant it. In order to bear fruit, you have to plant the seed. So, you can't complain about your lack of harvest if you're walking away from the field with a pocket full of seed. Well, when's God, when's he going to really do something? And we got seeds spilling out of our pockets. And you can't complain about the harvest if your pockets are still full of seed. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Do you love his word, Lord? Thanks again for listening. If you want to join us on Sunday, we meet at Wilson Central High School at either 9 or 11 o'clock a.m. I'll look forward to seeing you there.